0: Hello, and welcome to a special edition of our podcast, 15 Minutes on Health Inequalities. My name's Alastair Leyland, and I work at the MRC CSO Social and Public Health Sciences Unit at the University of Glasgow. And with me today are my colleagues, Lindsay Green,
1: Pierce, and Ruth Dundas.
0: These podcasts are designed to showcase some of the work of the Inequalities in Health Research Programme. We started off envisioning our typical listener as the busy multitasking professional who might be able to catch up with some cutting-edge research into health inequalities while exercising or commuting, but the move to working from home makes them the ideal soundtrack to accompany homeworking, or something to fall asleep to, if you prefer. Our first podcasts were released this time last year during European Public Health Week, And we thought this year's Leaving No One Behind day would be a great opportunity to mark that. So today we've got a special show looking back at the podcasts we've made over the past year and looking forward to some of the research that we'll be bringing you over the next 12 months.
2: So starting with the previous podcasts and considering the ones focused on COVID, When we heard from Ruth about her work on mortality from social determinants relative to COVID-19, that contextualised clearly the societal imbalances which result in vastly higher levels of deaths among the poorer groups in society and the general indifference with which this has been met by successive UK governments over almost half a century. The compounding of this injustice is highlighted when we heard from Vital Katikredi about the disproportionate impact of COVID-19 on those same groups. The once-in-a-century global pandemic we have experienced has hit the poorest hardest, not only as a direct consequence of the virus, but also the government response in terms of the consequences of the necessary mitigation actions.
1: Yes, they were both really sobering pieces. And looking to the positives, I think the pandemic has presented us with opportunities to highlight the huge burden of health inequalities and both pieces of work were really doing that. And in terms of other opportunities from the pandemic, it does feel like because the pandemic and lockdown is something that has affected everyone to some degree, that there's somehow more discussion among the public and politicians about how the social determinants affect health and lead to inequalities. So, for example, shared sympathy of people who are living in high rise flats or in areas with little green space during lockdown or those who are facing job uncertainty. For anyone interested in picking up that momentum and having conversations with the public about health inequalities, do take a look at our unit's COVID-19 Conversation Starter web tool. This is made by some of SPHSU's fantastic researchers and our fabulous knowledge team. You can find that tool on the public engagement section of our website, and we'll also provide a link with the podcast notes.
0: Yeah, we've had a couple of really interesting podcasts about health inequalities in the early years. Miriam Alec and Denise Brown gave us some insights into their work, looking at the health of care experienced children in Scotland. We're talking about a reasonably large group here. There are about 14,000 children in care in Scotland, and they seem to be at risk of a number of adverse health outcomes, although these risks are certainly understudied. This is a population the Scottish Government has a lot of interest in. That um, the Scottish focus of that research was in contrast to the work that Anna told us about regarding her report for WHO Europe on inequalities in child health across Europe. This looked at the existing evidence around reducing inequalities from birth to the teenage years. And Anna makes a really good case for intervening at this stage of the life course.
3: Yeah, Anna's report, as you said, also uh, to the WHO, it was part of this wider initiative from the WHO, which was it's aiming to move the sort of policy and political focus from describing the problem of health inequalities through capturing progress made right through to enabling action. And during the podcast, Anna highlighted that there are many interventions that aim to address the multiple domains of the social determinants. And it's these holistic interventions that have the most potential to reduce inequality. But she also noted that the evidence base is better for effectiveness on health, but less is known about the impact of policies and how they might vary across socioeconomic groups.
2: In our chats with Andy Baxter and Mike Green, we really saw that well-articulated findings from robustly conducted natural experiments Um, can provide compelling bases for translation of evidence on policy across jurisdictions?
1: Yeah, we certainly did. Um, For example, Andy's use of natural experiment methods showed that the UK's teenage pregnancy strategy had had very little impact on teenage pregnancy rates, which contradicted the initial impressions that you might have taken if you were only to look at trend data, which some of the very early evaluations were but of course, that's not to say natural experiment study designs offer a single solution. So while in Mike's podcast, we heard a lot more positive news story in that tobacco control policies introduced in the UK in the mid 2000s probably did reduce youth smoking rates and inequalities. One frustration for Mike was that it wasn't possible to definitively tease apart the effects of smoking, um, of the smoking ban from the effects of the increase in legal minimum age because they were introduced at a similar time. And so I think this is where triangulation of methods can really help, an approach which will be considered by the Maternal and Child Health Network, which we'll be talking to Ruth about in the coming year.
3: Thanks, Anna. That does bring us nicely onto the forthcoming podcasts. Andy Baxter's teenage pregnancy evaluation was released as part of Leaving No One Behind at the European Public Health Week 2021. And we're also releasing another one as part of that, With Leah Demu, and she'll be discussing her work on workplace and health. She examined the changes in occupational exposure to secondhand smoke in prison staff um, as a result of introducing smoke-free prisons. So that look back, I think, of our podcast of last year has been really interesting, and it reminded me of certainly of the range of work from the Inequalities in Health program. But we're not going to rest on our laurels from last year. We've got some good work in the pipeline. And the next part of this episode will give a flavour of what you can look forward to over the next year. So who wants to start? Alistair, Lindsay, what about your alcohol research?
0: Um, Yes, I'm happy to start. Scotland's known to have higher levels of alcohol related harm than most countries. And it's for this reason that the Scottish government has started to legislate to target harmful drinking. One such policy was the the introduction of minimum unit pricing for alcohol, which took place in May 2018. This set a price of 50 pence per unit of alcohol, below which it's illegal to sell drinks. We recently finished an evaluation of some of the effects of this policy, taking advantage of the fact that this minimum price was introduced in Scotland, but not in England, giving us a natural comparison between the two countries. We covered specific aspects of the policy, such as whether an unintended consequence of increasing the price of alcohol might have been a change in the use of illicit drugs. Our results will be published in the next few months, so we'll be happy to talk about those. And Lindsay, you've got our research on alcohol coming out too.
2: Sure, yeah. Um, so In a future podcast, I'll be discussing some work we carried out on reliability of alcohol consumption estimates and surveys. Um, It's the case that across many settings, surveys and other population sampled studies have experienced drops in levels of participation by those that are invited to take part. People that do participate are usually not the same as those who don't. Um, those who don't tend to be among the most disadvantaged economically and socially and in terms of health. And this bias causes problems with the generalizability of the findings, meaning that they can be less reliable. The usual way of dealing with this is to apply some quite elementary weighting-based approaches on a limited range of demographic characteristics, such as just age and sex. But a group of us devised an advanced method for dealing with this problem. Um, that method additionally incorporates health information available for the population. Quite how valid this approach may be is uncertain. So we, test, we set about testing the method on rich data from Finland from Finland's Linked Administrative Population Register.
1: So looking forward to other interesting methods, we'll be speaking to Vital Katakaredi about a newly funded European Research Council project in which he'll be developing a pan-European micro-simulation model to understand the real and potential impacts of taxation and social security policies on population health and well-being.
3: Another project that we have on... Policy evaluation that will start
1: this year is about
3: understanding the impact of universal credit on health. And we'll be talking to Peter Craig about
2: that. So, as maybe was saying for listeners outside the UK, that universal credit is a UK social security payment and is a relatively new way of managing and delivering social security. Thanks,
3: Lindsay. That was good to remind people. (laughs) And that brings us on to the results of evaluations of welfare welfare policies. One of the welfare policies we have evaluated is the Healthy Start Vouchers. And that's a means tested voucher scheme for pregnant women and families with children under four. If they're in receipt of certain means tested benefits, then they're eligible for vouchers to be spent on milk, infant formula milk, fruit and vegetables. And the aim of this study is to evaluate the Healthy Start Voucher scheme in terms of the impact on health outcomes. So, does it improve the nutrition of pregnant women and the health outcomes of their infants? And is it cost effective? So there are three parts of the evaluation. We've got a secondary analysis of two existing data sets. We've got an economic analysis to assess the cost effectiveness and a qualitative interview study of mothers. And we'll hopefully be able to discuss the project and the results in a future podcast.
1: So the evaluations mentioned so far are focused on UK policies. Alistair and Ruth, you're also collaborating on evaluations of welfare policies in Brazil, I think, using a great administrative data resource. Can you tell us a bit more about it?
0: Yes, this is a large project with multiple strands, including some policy evaluation. Working with colleagues in Brazil, we're evaluating two welfare policies, Bolsa Familia, which is a conditional cash transfer providing a minimum income for families, and Mina Casa Minavida providing new low-cost housing. Ruth's also working on this and has been part of the team that have developed a small area deprivation index covering the whole of Brazil.
3: Yeah, I can say a little bit about that just now. We do have, we will have a podcast about this, but you can have a sneak preview. So we use the Brazil census data to create this small area deprivation index for the whole of Brazil, although there are small measure, small area measures already in use there for parts of Brazil, such as certain states or capital cities. And the countrywide measures that do exist um, are for much larger areas that vary from a population of a few hundred thousand to 12 million. So it's difficult to use these measures to really capture health inequalities in a more targeted way. And certainly the creation of it wasn't without challenges, and we'll cover some of those challenges in the podcast.
1: Sure, we'll all look forward to hearing that, Ruth. Um, so, as always, the, the focus of this podcast series is, is on inequalities. And so we'll be chatting with Paul Henry in another future podcast about his experience of using linked administrative data in Scotland to analyse socioeconomic inequalities in unintentional infant and childhood injuries. The results of which threw up some unexpected findings.
0: Ah, unexpected findings, those are always the best type. We're also looking forward to talking to Emily Tweed, who's interested in the health of people experiencing multiple forms of social exclusion, namely homelessness, drug use, serious mental illness and experience of the criminal justice system. Emily will be telling us about her systematic review and how this links into the work that she's planning in the future.
2: So I think that's about it for now. We've covered a real range of interest in health inequalities topics in this podcast.
0: Yes, I think we could have talked for a lot longer, but I'm afraid that's the end of our time. Uh, you can find more information about us and our program of, of research in the episode notes. If you're interested in hearing about any of the research that we have coming up, then please subscribe to the 15 minutes on health inequalities podcasts. Thank you for listening and goodbye.